Hello, and you're very welcome to Mind You, where I dive into how different people use different ways to self-care. I'm Brian Barnes from Brian Barnes Wellbeing, where I partner with people to create unique well-being solutions. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to Anthony Harcher. Anthony has a huge passion for serving and minding others through his work as a clinical nutritionist, as a lifestyle medicine specialist, as a wellness speaker, and the founder of Me and My Wellness. So Anthony, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, thank you for having me on your show, Brian. I really appreciate to be on and imparting my wisdom with your listeners. Thanks, man. You're so welcome. And Anthony, can you start off by telling me a bit about yourself and how you got to here? Absolutely. So my kids call me the healthy man, and uh, <laughs> I often refer to myself as AKA the healthy man. Uh, so yeah, so my backstory is uh, I was a sick kid. Uh, so very sick kid early on in life in primary school, the you know, around kindergarten, year one, very sick and spent a lot time in hospital, doctors, uh, specialists. And I ever since then, I've been inspired to be well. Uh, so it really, it really lifted me and um, helped me find what, I, what, what inspires me and it's health and well-being. And from that moment of being sick, I've really focused on my nutrition, my exercise, my sleep. And obviously over the years, I've introduced mindfulness and practices around that which i'll share later on so that really you know and that led me to learning more about health and well-being and it led me on a path of trying different diets at an early age and i was incredible like most nine-year-old kids not even worried about what they're eating but i was yeah. meticulous about what i was eating at nine years old so um it it then you know i went through school love sport so sport was my thing I uh, got to end of school and had to choose what I was going to do. And and my father said to me, well, you're not smart enough to be a doctor. You, you don't like reading, so you can't be a lawyer. And But you like the pragmatic side of science. And so therefore, engineering would be a good path for you. So I chose chemical engineering, uh, did a degree in that, and then went into the explosives industry. So I work with a mining company called Orica, and they're actually all throughout the UK and in Europe and uh, North America, the world's largest leading supplier of commercial explosives. And I loved it. From a chemical engineer perspective, I was living the dream. I was playing around with explosive formulations, taking them out to army ranges and blowing them up and measuring the velocity of detonation, taking them out into the field, blowing up ground. It was a boy's dream or a kid's dream or whatever. I was probably a, a, still a boy back then. But uh, so, however, rising up the corporate ladder just wasn't ticking my box. It wasn't fulfilling me. It just wasn't for me. And as much as I was getting lots of good pay, I was still, you know, having some enjoyment in my work. I was still had that emptiness. And I figured, I thought, okay, I, I don't want to continue like this. I, as much as I enjoy what I was doing, it wasn't fulfilling. And so I really connected with my heart. I reconnected with my heart and my heart was always health and well-being. And so I thought, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to marry this passion for and inspiration around health and well-being 
and then apply it to help others because I really enjoyed, that's what I loved about the corporate work was really helping solve customer problems. And so I thought, well, I can solve people's health problems. And so I went back to school and did another two more degrees. I did a degree in nutrition and dietetic medicine and then another degree in complementary medicine. So that's really my backstory. And today I'm a holistic healthcare practitioner and I look after the whole person. I'm really all about assessing what's the driving force behind the condition and helping them heal themselves. Uh, so providing education, empowering them so that they can instruct their body to heal themselves. And that's pretty much my backstory, Brian. Wow. I love that, Anthony. Thank you for sharing that with me. And what, what, what an interesting journey. And diving deeper into how you mind others. As I said, you're a clinical nutritionist, lifestyle medicine specialist, wellness speaker, and founder of Me and My Wellness. Like day to day, Anthony, like when someone comes to you looking for help, obviously, and, you know, not feeling great and, you know, kind of reaching out to you, like, where do you start off? Where do you know, or how do you know which tool to use in your toolkit? Really good question. It's a great question. Often people come to me and they say, oh, it's my nutrition. You need to fix my nutrition. And then after asking, you know, questions about their, their signs and symptoms, like really starting at what's the physical manifestation? What's, what are they really, you know, where's the suffering? So what, what are they experiencing? And so understanding that, and then diving deeper into what is driving that, what is the underlying number? There's generally multifactorial. There's generally, you know, many contributing factors to that ailment, to that signs and symptoms. Yeah. But I'm looking for the one, uh, the, the one that's going to give them the biggest return on their investment of time and energy into their health. And so I'm asking questions. It's really questioning. It's it's really and and being curious, like like you are with what I do. It's having that curiosity about the person in front of me, and exploring as to what is the underlying driver to their condition. So, I, it, you know, they can think it's nutrition, but I often find it's it's not. <laughs> it's yeah. it, it, it's something yeah. else. But they think there's usually, there's usually a red herring in there, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely, and. And typically, like without generalizing too much, stress is a big yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so it's the questioning. It's then working with them as to how they want me to work with them. Like, so obviously some are wanting uh, like a quick fix. And obviously I'm here to serve the client in front of me. As much as I'd much rather get down and deal with the underlying issue, if they're looking for that quick fix, I will apply a food and lifestyle medicine approach to that and look at what else could serve them, whether it be, you know, improving their sleep hygiene, whether it be some mindfulness practices to lower their stress, or whether it be them connecting with friends in relation to a hobby or an interest and in expanding their relationships. So it really, it really depends on the individual. So it's hard to sort of yeah, give you a direct answer as to how I work because I'm I'm very much interacting with the person in front of me, understanding their needs, understanding what's what's stopping them from achieving their goals, and then working up a plan with them that's workable for them. So it fits in with their lifestyle. So it's very tailored to 
if they want to live this lifestyle, then I'm working in wellness to fit that lifestyle. And as much as it sounds a bit weird to do that, um, or, you know, shouldn't you just be changing everything? For me, it's what they want. It's, it's, it's really up to them. Not everyone has the same aspirations around health and well-being. So why should I impose my aspirations and my health and well-being onto them? I, I, I want to respect the person across from me and understand that they've got different goals and aspirations. And so health is one part of it. And I'll work with them as to how they'd like me to work with them. Some of them just want to have that one consult. Others want coaching, more support, more guidance more education and others want some supplements or they want me to just modify their diet to better suit what they're, you know, to help them along their, to achieve their goal. So I hope that helps Brian in terms of understand you might have some follow on questions to that. Well, yeah, no, I love that. I suppose it's because it's, it's very much person centered, which is what, you know, like, you know, it kind of drives what I do, uh, but I suppose a, a, a big driver for me, and it sounds the same with you as well, it's taking that kind of holistic view, as you said, you know, it's that kind of mind, body, spirit, that, you know, it, it's very person-centered, and there's no cookie-cutter approach, but you are taking a holistic view, like, let's say you were talking to me about someone coming to you, maybe talking about their diet, but then when you can ask a few questions, you know, they're drinking 20 coffees a day and yeah. they're smoking, you know, three boxes of ciggies. It's like, okay, well, you know, maybe it's not just your diet. So, you know, it, it, it's, take, it, it's taking, taking a step back and zooming out, isn't it? Yeah, so I'd like to add like a little case study to it, uh, just so that you can, all the listeners can sort of understand how I'm working. So I had a a lady who was in her, you know, in her thirties, she came along to see me and she said, I, I, I want to lose weight. I, I just can't shed the weight. It, it, and, and look, she wasn't really over overweight, right? She was actually quite good. And, you know, like you, you would say, do you really need to lose? That, that's a, some, some people would think that, do you really need to lose weight? But she said, no, I, I'm unhappy with my body. And so I, I work with her. She's unhappy with the body. She, she wants to change the way she looks. And she said, I really need you to help me with my, with my diet. And I started to ask questions as I do. And what I started to realize that she had some signs and symptoms of an underactive thyroid. And the mm. thyroid is the governor. It's the orchestra, you know, the, the, the commanding, um, or, you know, commands the orchestra. Um, yeah, the conductor. That? The conductor. That's it. It's the conductor of metabolism. Yeah. Right. So, um, so, I said to her, I said, I'm concerned about your, your, your thyroid. And I said, so then I, I was then exploring as to why would this thyroid be underactive? What could be causing that? And our thyroid, uh, it stems from, well, if you go way back, it, it, it sort of evolves from the tongue. And so it's associated with voice and having a voice. And I asked her in terms of where does she feel that she doesn't have a voice anymore? Where does she feel that she'd like to speak out and she's not being heard or not being listened to? And she had this aha moment. She goes, oh, at work. And she said, in my relationship. And, and I, I asked her about those two areas and they were her biggest stress drivers was that she wasn't being heard and she, she was losing her voice and and as a result of that, the psychosomatic is the thyroid with stress, obviously. So stress also implicates thyroid. But this was in particularly around 
not having a voice in a relationship, not being valued at work. And so I've been working with her in terms of once I identified that relationship, she started getting some couples counseling and that's really starting to make it, you know, really, it's made a big difference in her life in terms of shifting the stress. Uh, she's starting to look into how can she speak out and better articulate herself at work. And she's, she's had a profound change and shift uh, just simply through asking questions and, you know, getting back to the diet, I looked at it and I thought, hang on a sec, this isn't, you know, you're actually eating really well. You're not overeating this, you know, in terms of what you're eating, I don't think this is what is the driver. I really think it, it is more associated with your thyroid being underactive. And we even got the thyroid tested. Uh, so I organized some testing for a thyroid and, and it actually presented the picture back to me. So it was underactive. It, it wasn't performing as it should. And we're working with the root causes uh, and she's, she's really happy. She's in a very happy space now. And I didn't touch a diet. <laughs> so as much as she came from me for nutrition, it was obviously that lack of being respected for who she was in, in her partnership with her relationship, lack of being you know, respected or recognized as a good employee. And she'd been working really hard and, this is the areas that we're working, you know, I'm coaching her through and she's now starting to make inroads and the stress are coming down and she's having real breakthroughs. I love that, Anthony. And I suppose, you know, like you, it's almost like kind of doing a bit of detective work. Again, someone's coming to you like that lady, it's my diet and it was something completely different. So it's, it's, it's kind of, again, it's zooming out um, first and then kind of zooming back in again and doing that bit of detective work, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's the divergence. It, that, so the divergence is asking, like, so being open-minded as to what might be behind it. And this is typically how you sort of solve problems. It's, it's you know, being very open-minded is, you know, open up all possibilities. Uh, so you go out asking heaps of open-ended questions. And then you, as you said, you start the divergence back into finding D1, the what's going to be the number one area of focus that's going to give her the best results. And yeah, yeah we, we found that and she was willing to work in that area because some people will say, no, not interested, just, you know, work on my diet. And obviously I, I respect that person in front of me and just focus on the diet. And, yeah. and there's certain nutrition that you can prescribe or, you know, like uh, food, food is medicine for helping thyroid. Uh, so there's, you know, so I, I, I could have focused on the, uh, the protein focused on the the zinc, uh, the selenium. Yeah. Uh, so I, the iodine is the other one. So I could have focused on the the macro being the protein and the micro being the iodine, zinc, and selenium, and you know look at where we could get that in a diet. And if we couldn't, then we could supplement. So you know I, I could have gone down that approach as well. But I, I was really looking for what's going to give her the best return on her investment of time and energy. I love that, man. And in relation to nutrition, Anthony, again, I know you know there's no kind of cookie cutter approach. Everyone's different. But what are some what are some of the main areas you kind of direct clients towards? Because, like, you know, I, I think a lot of people, even myself, I get confused about you know do you go or you know like organic or can you eat carbs or proteins or stuff? Like, you know, like would you have any kind of gems of wisdom about nutrition? Yeah, lots of gems. So first of all, I. I don't like food labeling and I, I find that is what 
causes a lot of this binge and restrictive eating. So the seesaw. So I, I see it as a pendulum. So people restrict themselves. They hold off. They, I'm not doing bread. I don't want bread. But it actually, in, in terms of our neurolo neurology, it actually drives a, a desire to yeah. want that even more. And and over time, you know, so much willpower will get us by, but then eventually we'll cave in. You know, we'll get a big stressful event and bang, we'll eat a whole loaf of bread or we'll yeah. go for, you know, like, or, or the whole block of chocolate or the whole, you know, packet of biscuits or whatever it may be. So yeah. I actually find the labeling of food as good or bad as really unhelpful for us because all food serves us depending on our goals. So it, like, so for an athlete, high glycemic food, so high, high glycemic index, uh, high GI, you know, that's what we call it, high GI food, which is what some people would say is bad food, right? So for a diabetic, yes, it's considered not going to be supportive of their diabetes. However, for an athlete who doesn't have diabetes, it is fantastic fuel for their training and for their events, for their performance. And so how can you say that high glycemic food is just rubbish and bad when it, it serves a particular part of the population aiming for a certain goal? And so for me, I really want to get people away from food labeling and saying it's good or bad because what's good for one person can be bad for another and what's bad for one person can be good for another. So it's just, it depends on the context, it depends on the person. And so I really don't like food labeling. I don't like dieting as such. I, for me, dieting is just swinging the pendulum. So you're restricting. So with any form of diet, it's going to result in elimination of some food group or some micro micronutrient, right? So Therefore, it's going to create a deficiency in that, which will create, uh, you know, signs and symptoms of disorder in the body. So the body is always trying to maintain homeostasis. And you probably you work with your clients to maintain homeostasis in the mind. Uh, so, it's, so with that mind homeostasis, that helps the body find homeostasis. But when we're dieting, so if someone's coming for you for mindfulness, and they're on some restrictive diet or something like that, as much as they're bringing order to their mind, their body's going to be out of order. It's going to be disordered. Yeah. And they're going to struggle to find that mind-body connection that's, that's balanced or that's in order or that's in homeostasis or you know, is working for them. So I find the dieting no good because it is. It's like so look at the diets out there at the moment they're typically high protein low carbohydrates uh, that doesn't work for everyone and in actual fact high protein diets excessive amounts of protein will cause a ph imbalance in the mm -hmm. blood and th that causes acidosis so you've probably heard of alkaline and acid and people yeah. generally wanting to eat more alkaline foods it's because we have this western lifestyle that's so acidic which you've probably come across as well in in, yeah. in, in your work um so but the body wants a balance between acid and alkaline it doesn't want to be too alkaline out al al too alkaline so drinking too much alkaline water or having too much of an alkaline lifestyle will result in illness because it's swinging the pendulum to too extreme alkaline and you can actually die from being too extreme alkaline you can die from being too extreme acidic what the body wants is to be in the center it wants balance, to be centered but it's all about balance, absolutely isn't it? absolutely and so 
for me, it's not about dieting. It's about lining what you eat for the outcomes that you're desiring or what, you know, what are your goals? So it's understanding what your goals are and then aligning your eating to support those goals. And you don't need to diet. Like you can still have, you know, if you like the odd glass of wine or if you like the odd hamburger, have it's it. not going to kill you, you know, yeah. like, it, it, and, and so by totally abstaining from it, it's just going to create this massive swing to want it and desire it even more. And, and tell you what, the moment you get off balance in the mind, you'll be straight for that hamburger or something. You'll, you'll, be- yeah, you'll have 10, you'll have 10 of them. Yes. And again, it's, it, that's what I tell people all the time, Anthony. It's like, okay, like, you know, don't eat a hamburger every day, but don't cut them out. Do you know what I mean? Yes. You know, if you had one, one a week, you know, maybe twice a week and, you know, kind of, again, it, it's that balance. Um, I, I, I kind of point people towards the Mediterranean diet. And to me, you know, that like that, like, and I've done a lot of research, like I'm a general nurse, mental health nurse, and I've done a lot of this research myself because I'm a vegetarian for the last five years. And really for me, the, the Mediterranean diet, which is, you know, lots of fruit, nuts, olive oil, um, you know, a little bit of carbs as well, you know, lots of water. I talk to people about drinking, you know, two liters of water a day. What's your thoughts on the Mediterranean diet? It's the most studied diet. Uh, there's the most amount of recite research on the mediterranean diet and it has the most like sort of positive (laughs) accolades that any diet can get so if if you're going to look at and but i think the important thing about the mediterranean diet is realize the mediterranean area is very broad right and so specific areas within the mediterranean will eat differently and so it's finding like i i think it's I agree with you. It's eating majority of that and then bits and pieces of what else that's going to suit you or, yeah. you know, like, so it's, but it, yeah, it's really tailoring it and to, because not everyone loves fish. Like I find when I'm talking about oily fishes, they'll go, oh, sardines, oh, mackerel, yuck, or yeah. anchovies, yuck. And, and so, and like some people, have don't like the texture of nuts or you know like so for me it's then finding out what's an appropriate substitute that's going to bring in the omega-3s and yeah so yeah it's that modification around that but in terms of general it's a good foundation isn't it fantastic 100 percent, 100 supporting that yeah for mental and physical health and Anthony, in relation to mental health, as in, you know, like you, you mentioned stress there, and look, we all know that, you know, at least 90% of any GP visit is down to stress. What, what you know, like, what, what are you seeing? Are you seeing kind of increases in, in people with stress? Absolutely. Particularly post-COVID. Uh, yeah. COVID was, yeah. you know, for some people quite, you know, they could have had a lot of trauma or experienced a lot of trauma or, uh, you know, just uncertainty and, and you know, coming out of COVID, they, they're still not, you know, right. They're not still not feeling great and they still might not have got over what COVID, how, how much it shifted their life. I mean, as you saw, a relationship breakdown soared and people leaving work and, you know, mm-hmm. there was massive change going on and, and some people's lives you know, they, they haven't liked the way it's changed, changed, you know, whatever the relationship or the work or so 
yeah, so I, I find that mental stress is really high. Particularly, I'm getting a lot of demand from corporates to help with the health, particularly the mental health of their employees. That's where they're most concerned. And I'm doing a lot of, you know, workshops around mental health and educating people around mental health. So it, it is a big area and it's, it's, it's a growing area. People are more interested in, you know, looking at how they can improve their mental health. So certainly from a general population perspective, they're now looking at, yeah, I think I should do something about my mental health. Uh, I think I should invest in it. I think I, and I think, you know, the work that you do is really serving those people that are looking for support around, you know, improving their mental health. Absolutely. And I suppose, Anthony, what I'm finding is like the world just wants to kind of, you know, dust, dust, dust yourself off and just get back on the horse. And I think people are coming back with stresses and with kind of, you know, almost kind of a PTSD uh, kind of, you know, um, lots of kind of bruises and kind of lots of pains and aches from the last couple of years, which have been so stressful, like we were all swimming in a sea of stress. And I think it's important to honour that rather than just business as usual, because business as usual, you know, like people are going to kind of come back into you know, kind of the way it was before, carrying kind of, you know, stresses and injuries and kind of, and they're going to be unresolved. Absolutely. And I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying there. And this whole dusting off and just getting on with business as just usual. Just put your socks up and just <laughs> yeah. get back to work, boys and girls. That's it's, not, that's no. not working. No. And I think the other thing that I can, and I can relate it back to my chemical engineering days in terms of understanding thermodynamics, and I know your listeners probably aren't interested, but there's the law of ent entropy, and entropy goes from order to disorder. And over time, uh, you know, it, it's a universal law. Things will go from from order uh, to disorder, and and that's what's happening uh, in every aspect. So our mind will. You know, you can order your mind through doing a mindfulness practice, but over time, it will start to become disordered. And with all the inputs and all the chaos and all the information overload. And so without a regular practice of mindfulness, your housekeeping gets very messy. You, mm. And then you are looking like you get quite anxious because your mind's so disordered, it becomes quite dysfunctional. And you, you become worried and anxious and, you know, your brain's getting inflamed and, and without it, like having a consistent uh, routine around bringing order to your mind and order to your body, it will break down. Like, so our body without us bringing order to it. And like I spoke about the pendulum swinging, that is creating a massive state of disorder. Um, and the body wants order. It, 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 and once, once we help it get back into order, such as, you know, a mindfulness practice helping bring uh, a, a disordered state of the mind to an ordered state of the mind, um, without regular practice, it just is over time will become disordered. And so this is what I find with health, that people that just want to just jump on and just do one meditation and think, oh, you know, I'm, you know that, that felt great. But it's the consistent practice of meditation that's constantly yeah. bringing the order back into your brain and helping you to remain focused, centered, poised, calm. And this, you probably see this with some people that are looking for that quick fix and think they can just do one meditation session with you and, you know, they're done. They're good for a week or so. And then all of a sudden they're, they're you know, two months down the track, they're in a mess. They're a complete mess. 
yeah, and people are so, I suppose society is such a quick fix society with social media and technology that, again, people think they can apply that to their brain and body, but that's not how it works, is it? No, absolutely not. And it really requires, it's the same as like, you look at your house, your house becomes messy over time without you doing anything, right? Like just with dust building up without, you know, with all, all sorts of change of, you know, the, I guess the environment is constantly changing. And so it's going to bring disorder to your house. And so in order to keep a clean house, you've got to clean it. And, you, and, and the more periodically you keep it on top of it, the more order is in your house. And it's the same as your workplace. If you allow the inbox and sort of paper and books and all that just to accumulate and, and you're not addressing it and doing something about it, it becomes quite messy. And so this, this will happen in all, all throughout your life, and particularly to your body. Your body will just start disintegrating, and that's where you experience signs and symptoms. It's because it's so disordered, and what it requires is helping you to bring it back into order. And so this is a constant practice that needs to be applied, and it's, you know, I know we're going to be talking about this in the next question that you asked me about my health practices the, the reason why I'm in such a good state in terms of physical and mental health is because I'm always investing time and energy into bringing order to my physical health and mental health. And without that, I know it, it deteriorates over time. And you see that happen with bodies when people, like they, they, they want the summer body and they put time and energy, invest time and energy, bring order to it. They get the summer body and then winter comes, they just let it all go again and they go through this this cycle um so yeah so again it's, it comes back what we talked about earlier on is balance it's about balance it's about coming back into the middle not going too far you know to the left too far to the right like it's it, as much as you can balance and 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 what will happen is because we live in now everything's dynamic right so uh, everything's moving in motion all the time uh so there's nothing still and so life's always changing uh our bodies are always moving changing everything's changing around us and so that's one constant in life is change right so it's a dynamic state and and what will happen is yes your your, your body is always swinging around the center point and to find the homeostasis and you know it, it overshoots undershoots overshoots undershoots but it, it's hovering around the center line ideally but what happens is when we introduce extreme practices in our life such as dieting or any extreme exercise or anything like the 72 hard challenge you probably or 75 hard challenge and all these sort of extreme sort of things they, they bring disorder to our body and and our body is it just gets so shifted to one side mm-hmm. that it then tries it, it's struggling to get back to a center line um, so it, it is working with the body and constantly investing to allow it to stay around the center line and to it's really longevity this is what this is ultimately about is longevity the, the more we swing and and the, the further those swings, the, the shorter the lifespan uh, because our body becomes so disordered, so dysfunctional that we get cancer. We, it manifests into these chronic diseases. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And Anthony, the Demartini method, what does that look like? Yeah, so I'm glad you asked. It's, it's been really profound in terms of my 
I guess, understanding of health and well-being um, and how how important it is to have a, a mind that is in balance. That's, you know, we talk about the balance. And so the, the Demartini method is, in simple terms, it's about balancing the perceptions, okay, the way we perceive things. So when we have distorted perceptions, we create disorder in our body. Uh, we create disordered thinking. So what happens, like, what do I mean by this? So if we perceive COVID as just all bad, right? So that perception of negativity around COVID will manifest into distress and the, it creates disorder in the mind. It creates this, uh, the desire center, which is, you've probably heard of the limbic system, Mm -hmm. uh, so that gets aroused, that gets switched on. And our amygdala, which is the fear center, gets switched on. Because primitively, when we perceive something as just all negative, it was a threat to our life. It was a tiger in front of us. And that tiger could wipe us out in an instant. And so our, our hardwiring in our brain, it just thinks, I need to get away from the tiger. So it will swing you to just a one-sided desire so that you'll then want to avoid uh, discomfort or avoid pain and seek or, and or seek pleasure because our also that desire center drives us to prey, right? So it's avoid predator, seek prey is how the desire center works. And we activate that when we perceive something imbalanced, an imbalanced perspective, like for around COVID. COVID was COVID, right? It, it's only the label we put on it or the person puts on it that it's either, some for some people, COVID was great. Some people, COVID was bad. So it's a perspective, right? COVID's just an event. And it depends on our perception of that event. If we're seeing and stacking up all the negatives, then of course that's going to create a distress and, a and activate our fear center, activate our adrenals, activate cortisol release, and it puts us in that fight or flight mode. And so we think irrationally. We lose our rationality. And so then in, in that state, uh, that we're going to be then seeking something to bring us immediate gratification. We're going to go shopping. So people were consuming a lot online. People were... Uh, eating or binging at home, they're binging on alcohol, binging on sweets, binging on this, because that's how they were seeking externally to provide that fulfillment. And that fulfillment was that gap that was created around the perspective of how they perceive COVID. So what the Demartini method, methodology does, is help you restore balance to your mind by looking for what you're what you are blinded to. So when we perceive that COVID's all negative, we're conscious of the negatives, we're unconscious of the positives. And so what the Demartini method asks you is what is and how is COVID serving you and what you value? So start to look for that. So start to reveal what's unconscious and bring it to the conscious mind, balance the perception, and you will calm down the desire center you'll calm down the amygdala you'll get centered poised and you you will remain on purpose in, in you know if you keep a balanced perspective so again this can happen 
when we perceive something as all positive, like I won the lottery, it's all positive and it can only be positive, but there's downsides of winning the lottery. Okay. And if we want to be one-sided, then we, we create a shift in our physiology around that. Uh, so then essentially our body's trying to then restore homeostasis by then creating a nightmare around what happens if I lose that money? So then you start fearing the loss of all that money, right? So then you start uh, doing certain behaviors so that you become very protective of that money. So, because you, you fear the loss of it now because you've created um, this distorted perspective around the money and how it's just all positive. And so our, our mind's trying to m maintain homeostasis and our intuition's trying to bring it back into balance, but we often ignore it uh, because of the hard wiring we have around survival. So the Martini method in short is essentially helping you balance your perspectives uh, so that you can calm down that limbic center and stay centered, poised, focused on what's important to you. And that's the work I do with people is in terms of helping them shift those perceptions so that they see a balanced perspective. They see it for what it is. So in, in essence, what this methodology does is that you have gratitude for no matter what happened to you because you are grateful for what it is as opposed to wishing it was something else. Mm -hmm. So essentially you have gratitude. You, you create a, a, an, a, but it, it feels in the body. You see the, the hidden order. And so therefore your body expresses the gratitude uh, because it, it, it's, it's now seeing what it was initially perceived as just all chaotic. It's now seeing the, the order in what's happened. And so you have these profound shifts in your physiology as a result of seeing that balance. So wow. it's, it's really good in terms of like, so when you said that, you know, we're dusting off and we're getting back to business as usual, what's important around the Martini method is getting back into what is causing that person to have, uh, you know, like a anxious reaction to whatever it might be. So, so what's the underlying cause of that? And then getting to what, you know, is, is it the perspective on COVID and or a perspective of what's happened because of COVID and then starting them to ask them as to what they're not, you know, what they're unconscious of. What is it that they're unconscious? They're conscious of the negatives. Let's start finding the positives of how it served them and what's important to them. And it's incredible. It, it, it really does. I, I, I apply this every day. So whenever I judge anything, so when we're judging, we're taking a one-sided perspective of a mm -hmm. person. We're just seeing one side of them. So what I ask myself is because when we're judging something, it's, it's be, we see what we haven't loved in us, right? So when we are judging a characteristic of someone else, what we're seeing is this reflection of us. And it's because we're so shameful of that. We haven't loved what we perceived as being shameful and uh, negative because we haven't loved that in ourselves. We see it in everyone else and, and they remind us of that wound. And so that's why we don't like what they've just done. But what you can do through this methodology is ask yourself, what are you judging in that person? And then ask yourself, when have I done what that person's just done to me or someone else? And so ask yourself, when have you done 
the same or similar action, mm-hmm. okay? And and you actually access the episodic memory. And I've done this when I've, you know, I've been applying the work. And so when I go around and I start, you know, looking and taking a judgment of a person, then I look in myself and think, okay, when have I done that? And I go to the time, you've got to go to the episodic memory. So, you know, go to the actual time and place you did it. Um, note it and go, yes, own it. And then what you want to do is then find uh, like an, an equivalent. So what you don't want to then say is that, oh, no, that person does it more than me. You've got to keep finding it when you've done it in yourself to say, yes, I do it just as much as them. Mm-hmm. And I have a hundred percent respect for that person because they are who they are and I mm-hmm. am who I am. And, and so this really brings that equanimity between one another. Um, and that, I guess, seeing each other as equal as opposed to seeing someone as less of or better than, and, and you can do this for admiration traits as well. So if you admire a trait in someone or, you know, something, some action, or um, it, it's then looking at, owning that action because you're just too too humble to mm-hmm. own that action and so by owning the traits of the great they say you then you, you then love the greatness in you you see that you have you know you have greatness uh, you have that hero side but you also got that villain side but you love the integration of who you are you're not one-sided we mm-hmm. we have two sides to us and it's often you know this this judging is because it's something that we haven't loved in ourselves. Uh, and you can love yourself greater by then, you know, balancing the judgments that you're passing onto other people or deflecting onto others. And if you have that reflective awareness, own that trait and own it to as much as that you do it as much as them. And then you have equanimity, you have great, you know, you then have dissolved that shame uh, in you. So the other th- question you can ask yourself is how does that act or behavior how does it serve you know when you've done it how does it serve that so you're only shameful the the things that you perceive a negative right that you've had a negative consequence on someone else so what you want to ask yourself well what is the benefit of that you know so, so, so people will say oh lying is evil or lying is bad but there's a benefit to lying often we lie because we we have the other person's heart at our interest and we're doing it to protect them, right? So it's not as if lying is just outright bad. There's benefits to lying and there's reasons why we all lie, okay? And there's reasons why we continue to lie. Um, and it's, it's asking yourself, how does it serve? How does it serve you? How does it serve them? And when you, when you ask yourself these questions, you start to shift your perspectives and you start to see more love and gratitude. You have a greater love for others. You have a greater love for yourself and you can see events for what they are as opposed to judging that event and labeling it as bad or good. And so it's a really good methodology in terms of shifting perspective. Wow. That's fascinating, Anthony. Thanks for sharing that with me. And can you tell me now how you mind you? Yeah. So I, well, I've shared a lot of in terms of how I mind me, you know, throughout the episode. So yeah. one of the things I'm always, I'm very consistent, right? So every day I'm doing a form of mindfulness, right? Every day I'm doing some exercise and the exercise will vary depending on how 
how tired I feel, right? So if I feel tired, I'm not going to flog myself. I'm going to listen to my body. I'm going to do something lighter, but I'm still going to move my body. I'm just not going to have do it with the same intensity. So I'm doing something around exercise every day. I'm doing something around mindfulness every day. I do, I, I'm very conscious of when I eat and what I eat. So for example, a lot of people are eating you know large meals at night missing breakfast and this whole thing of time restrictive feeding and they're actually doing it the wrong way around our body was designed to digest food during the day so our digestion is optimal in the morning and so we, we actually want to be consuming most of our calories in in the morning up until lunch that's when we have optimal digestion and assimilation and that's when we're going to utilize the energy that we consume and so i eat my, you know, my largest meal is, you know, breakfast, and then it becomes less and less. So our lunch is fairly small, and dinner's, you know, small. So it again, I, I orientate my food around the, the circadian rhythm. And then I also uh, consume whole foods, wide variety of foods. So yes, I don't abstain from meat, I don't abstain from, you know, there's, I have a wide variety. So I'm not dieting, so, so to speak, I I just have moderation. I don't consume excess or too less of anything. I, I consume the right amounts for the amount of energy I'm expending and, um, and you know, I guess how I want my body to perform. Uh, so in terms of, I always have a nightly routine and my nightly routine prepares me for a good night's sleep. So I, I have my devices all go into nighttime mode they only give off that yucky yellow red light and there's, there's no clarity around the screen. So that's a reminder to me to start turning off devices, start disconnecting from devices. And then I'll go through a process of uh, writing a bit of journaling. I go through a journey, like a bit of reflection, what, what I got done, what didn't get done. I move what I didn't get done to tomorrow. I reflect on that sort of, you know, did things go as I planned or how, how could I better improve that next time? You know, what learnings have I taken out of the day? Uh, is there something that I can't be grateful for? And I look for that. If I, there's something I can't be grateful for that's happened to me that day, then I apply the Martini method to find the grace in what's happened. Um, and so I do that journaling. Then I'll go into a magnesium bath to calm the muscles. I play some calming music. I've got all the lights out. And then after the magnesium bath, I go through a stretching, uh, rolling sort of exercise to further relax the body. And I'm just making sure that I'm not processing anything. Like I'm making sure I'm emptying the mind. Uh, if I need, if, if anything's on the mind, I put it on paper. I get it out of the mind. I dissolve it through the Martini method. And now, I pretty much go to bed at the same time every night. I wake up at the same hour every the next morning. I keep that consistent and it keeps me in good stead. It really helps my body remain centered, uh, not too much deviation from the center line. And I, I'm always, you know, in an energetic state. Uh, so obviously I do my best work in the morning. I don't do podcasts after 9 p.m. because I don't function well. Like I'm pretty much in bed at eight thirty. <laughs> so wow. in an hour okay. and a half, early, I'm in bed. <laughs> wow, early to bed and early to rise, Anthony. Yes, makes a man yes. healthy, wealthy, and wise. Absolutely. So it's very much. I'm down with the sunset. I'm up with the sunrise. I love it, man. I love it. Thanks for sharing that with me. And Anthony, where can people find you? 
Find me online. So look up Anthony Harcher, uh, H-A-R-T-C-H-E-R. If you Google my name, a whole lot of Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, all sorts of stuff. YouTube will come up under Anthony Harcher. Or you could Google me and my wellness and the same. I have a lot of online content. So there's, there'll be a lot that circulates once you Google that. Cool. Well, look, at, I'll put a link to your website onto this podcast. And I can tell people it's, it's full of resources and lots more advice from Anthony. And Anthony, thank you so much for, for being so generous and so kind and so kind of honest with me today about your journey to now and the, that amazing toolkit that you have and how you're helping so many people with it and how you mind you. And best of luck with everything that you do in the future. Thank you so much, Brian. I really appreciate you having me on your show and and yeah, stay healthy and wealthy and wise to the listeners. Thank you so much for listening to Mind You and I hope you've learned about the benefits of holistic self-care. Please like, subscribe and follow Mind You Podcast wherever you listen to it. And please share it so we can keep the ripple effect of holistic self-care going out to the world. You can find me and mind you at brianbarneswellbeing.com.